Thank you, Rachel, for that very gracious welcome. It's great to be here sharing with you today, whether it's here live at church or whether it's online watching. And uh, my prayer is that somehow this morning as we share together, you really sense God speaking into your life. We're talking today about cultivating a biblical community. And I want to start by just saying the Bible is so key to our lives. It's not just like opening any book. It is the word of God. It's it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It has a way of cutting into our lives sometimes. And that's my prayer this morning. There'll be things we'll say today that will have a deep piercing effect, which almost like divides between bone and marrow, really that inner surgery of the soul. So let's just be open to what God's going to say because we'll also be aware of some of the challenges of where sometimes we come hardened of heart and uh, we don't seem to be open in the same way. So we're taking this great theme of um, cultivating biblical community. And uh, it's a special time of year now of Christmas, and it's wonderful to share some of the various events that are going on. But we've encouraged everyone to be inviting friends and family and colleagues to those events. And it's not just um, asking someone uh, about coming to an event, but it's also about inviting someone to be part of family. The church is the family of God. It's the community of God. And more and more, we need to understand what it means to be part of that community. Now, being a Christian, following Jesus is hard at times. And yet, God has given us community in order to strengthen, encourage us, to stir us on. And we're going to think a little bit about both the challenges and the blessings of being part of the family of God, part of that community. When you become a Christian, it's not just about coming to church. When you become a Christian, you're born as an inner experience which the Holy Spirit brings to life in you. To many as received him, to them he gave power to become children of God. Born not just of human flesh, but born of the Spirit of God. And you're born into the family of God. The whole essence of becoming a Christian is that. It's entering into not just how I now uh, somehow enter into a set of rules and regulations and ritual. It's how you enter into a relationship with Jesus. And in that relationship with Jesus, the body of Christ is the body, is the church, what it means to be part of that. So we're going to, in our brief time, cover three key, key areas of cultivating biblical community. And we'll, we'll look at a, a number of scriptures, both in Old Testament and the New Testament. So the first of those will be in a moment on, on Hebrews chapter 3. And each of them we're going to get a challenge and a blessing. So with Hebrews chapter 3, we'll help us see the challenges of being hurt sometimes in close community. And then the blessings of being encouraged by being part of that community. Then the second one will be in Hebrews chapter 10. Where we're looking particularly at the challenges of trying to go alone, do it on your own, but the strength of doing it together. And then the third one is a very practical one. It's about friendships and relationships. And we'll be looking at um, Proverbs chapter 22, particularly how we choose our friends, the effect that bad friendships can have on us and the effect that good friendships can have. So that's our, our syllabus for this morning. Let's get going. So our first reading then is um, taken from Hebrews chapter 3. And uh, here we'll see that encouragement of being part of the family of God. But encourage one another daily. And this is important that being part of the family of God is not just about meeting on a Sunday morning like this, as encouraging as this is. But it's also about how, how do we feel we're part of a community, whether it's a WhatsApp message, whether it's a, a text, whether it's a call. But every day there's a sense in which there can be communication and relationship with part of it. Who's the first folk we share with when we've got something for prayer? Or who's the first one we share we've got some good news? Is there something about that daily encouraging of one another? And we want to encourage a kind of community. And for us, church is about that. It's about being part of a biblical community. So encourage one another. Sorry, reading back up again. Um, and, uh, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. 
we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Father, we pray now that as we open these scriptures together, you would come by your spirit, spirit of truth. Guide us into truth, not just passing impressions, but a sense of shaping our lives through your word. That understanding of what biblical community really means in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So to become a Christian is to become part of the family of God. It's not, as I say, just a set of rituals. It's about a relationship. And one of the challenges of that relationship, that the closer our relationships are, the more vulnerable we are to hurt. You see, if you're going down the street and a stranger passes you and uh, they don't say hello to you, they don't even acknowledge you, they just pass you by, you don't feel desperately hurt. If you did, you'd be feeling hurt all day. But uh, um, for most, uh, but if, if a friend, someone who's really been close to and, and they come uh, and, and they just pass you by, then you do feel hurt. So the closer you are in a relationship, the more vulnerable you are to hurt. And that therefore brings challenges in church life. Because church life is the family of God. It's not just about attending a service. It's about belonging together. It's not just about what we believe, but that sense of real belonging. And therefore, it's vulnerable also to being hurt. And sadly, we do see that sometimes in church life. where, And we, we as human creatures so easily get hurt. You know, I was saying the other day, in fact, uh, here at one of our sermons, that we, when Jesus appeared to the disciples after the resurrection, and uh, Peter is there on the shores of Galilee, and Jesus, the first thing he says to him is, is Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. And he says again to him, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know I love you. Well, he says, feed my sheep. And then again, a third time, he says, do you love me? And do you know what it says? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him three times. Peter was hurt. He's just denied Jesus three times. He's just all that. But human nature, we quickly get hurt. And there's a sense in which, you know, if someone hasn't noticed us, or if, in fact, someone hasn't invited us, where we think of all the other people that got invited to something or other, or, 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 or someone was saying something, even though it was nothing to do with us, but we thought it, was, it could have been talking about me, or, or something, sharing something, and we're so quickly hurt. I suppose if we were honest here this morning, most of it, sometime we've been, we've been hurt from somebody in church. Just uh, an attitude or a, a, a lack of care or something's happened. And, and that hurt can have an effect on us. See, what hurt does is it hardens the human heart. It's part of our protective me mechanism. You know, if you've got hurt, you, your heart becomes a bit harder. So next time you're not so vulnerable, as it were. But what happens is then you lose something of that softness of heart that's about relationship. That's why in this very scripture it says, encourage one another daily. Guard that you do not harden your hearts. Today, if you'll hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Now, this hardening of heart is not only in our relationships with one another, but it also is true in our relationship with God. Sometimes we felt disappointed with God. We feel that God hasn't answered our prayer. Sometimes we even feel God hasn't even heard our prayer. And before long we get a bit hardened in our heart. And what happens with the hardness of heart, it closes our ears. When you're hard, you don't hear God the same way. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Hurt hardens us. Now, a story I often tell because it had such a big impression on me as a child growing up. I was only a little boy, and I'd be coming home from primary school, and on my way home, I passed my granddad's house. And granddad, it was always a welcoming place on a cold winter night. He had a great roaring fire, literally a, a live fire with that Welsh coal in it. And uh, I would go in, and I'd sit on a little rug in front of his thing, and he would do me usually a hot drink, and the thing we usually have 
dripping sandwiches, I think, dripping on toast, anyway. And uh, I'd sit there, but the good thing with Granddad, even though his eyesight wasn't so good and his hearing wasn't so good, he could tell stories like no one else I knew. And he had lots of them to tell. And so I'd sit there on little, just by the a brass fender just there, and uh, he'd be telling me the story. And he's in the middle of this story, and he's telling me it, and the fire is roaring away there. And, and suddenly, out of the fire fell a red-hot coal into the grate, just beside where I was. I need jumped out of my skin. But Granda didn't notice it. He didn't see it. He didn't hear it, etc. He's still telling me the story. I don't remember another word about the story because it was just so... But then suddenly, Granddad noticed it. And he reached down to pick it up. And before I had a chance to stop him, and you know, I could imagine his cry. He took hold of the red-hot coal and just put it on the fire, still telling me the story. And I was absolutely mystified. You know, he says, Granddad, and my, my, my granddad. But the next morning was Saturday morning, and I always did Granddad shopping on a Saturday morning. And he gave me the money for the shopping in the same hand as he picked up the coal. As I took the money out of his hand, I felt his hand, this magical hand that had just picked up a red hawk. But I felt the tops of his fingers, his hand. His fingers were like thick leather, thick leather. See, Granddad had been a carpenter all his life. The slip of a chisel had often cut his finger. The bang of a hammer had bruised his hand. And many times it hurt him. But then eventually his skin became hardened. It wasn't the coal had lost its heat. Granddad no longer felt it. It can happen with our human hearts. When you've been disappointed many times, when you've been hurt, let down, what happens is we become hardened. We become hardened to go towards God and towards one another. And here is this amazing scripture in Hebrews 3. In this very context, look, encourage each other daily. Spur one another on. But guard that you don't harden your heart because if you harden your heart, you'll lose that softness of heart. Sometimes when we've been hurt, and the only kind of protective mechanism is to, to close up so we're no longer as open now. But it robs us of the richness of biblical community, what it really means to share our lives together. The wonder of the grace of God, and this is the, the wonder of the good news of Jesus, is that way in which God can bring forgiveness. For Jesus, even though he was so badly treated and so cruelly suffered on the cross, yet he could say those words, Father, forgive them. What does it mean for us to experience God's forgiveness that enables us then to forgive, even where we've been hurt? Because in the end of the day, resentment doesn't hurt so much the person I'm resenting, it hurts me. It robs me of that wholeness in my life, that openness in my life. And so the first thing about building that biblical community is to keep our hearts soft and open to one another. See, the Bible says these amazing words, guard your heart, it is the wellspring of life. Everything wells out of that. Once you begin to harden your heart, you, you rob yourself of so much of what God intends for our life and for our community in sharing together. The second of these scriptures is Hebrews chapter 10. And here we're going to think about um, the challenges of trying to do things on our own and the blessings of doing things together. Sometimes, even with church, we've got hurt, disappointed. And what happens is we withdraw to the fringe of church and eventually some of us may even give up on church. Think we don't need church any longer. We, we can do it our own way. We can listen to things on a podcast or other ways, but we don't need... But there is something about the family of God that's so essential. So here in Hebrews chapter 10, 
we have this, and this is the early church. This is pre any COVID like we've had, but they were challenging where people were already dropping out of church, even the early church. They don't become a habit now, they're no longer meeting together. And he's challenging them in that. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good work. Or it's to encourage each other, to spur each other on, not to give up hope in the faithfulness of God. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. This is back in the early church already. It wasn't just they missed last Sunday. They're in the habit of it now. Habits easily form in our life. One of the challenges of lockdown was that you couldn't go to church. But for some people who every Sunday of their life for the last 50 years had gone to church, that was a habit. But it got broken. And then post-pandemic, for some folk, it's been really challenging because that habit now has become a new habit. Yeah. And how do we... Uh, I'm not getting at you, those of you who are looking online. You may have good reasons why you only see it online, but I'm just saying today there is something about being together that's part of the purpose of God for us. And even in the early church, he's challenging them that some of you have now got into the habit of no longer meeting together. And some almost rationalize that. I've even known people saying, well, Rob, I don't feel I need church anymore. We've got podcasts, we've got books we can read, and I can be... No, there's something about being the family of God together. You see, we're a body made up together. That body needs to be together and connected. Let me just finish the reading. Let's all. So, so let me just... <laughs> not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need to be connected. We need to be community. We are the body of Christ. Very different members. Some are eyes, some are feet, some are hands, some are nose, some are t- all those different. But if you disconnect them and amputate them, you just have a lot of arms, a lot of hands, the body could never function. There needs to be that life flowing through a body that's together, that's sharing that life. And, and, and though we're different, there's a richness in that. We're not all ears or all eyes, as it were. You know, we, we, we need each other. And the way that the body works is through a, a sympathetic system, our nervous system. So, as I said many times, if you, if you step on my toe, it's not that my head doesn't feel it, it just says to my toe, oh, tough toe, I bet that hurt you. My whole body feels it. I say, ouch! The whole body feels it. Why is it to cultivate a community where we feel that if one suffers, we all suffer. If one rejoices, we all rejoice. There's something about being together and shared life in that. Even nature itself shows us, isn't it? I've seen some of those amazing filming with um, the frozen earth, and uh, it was showing a, a, a whole, oh, there were hundreds of these penguins, if not thousands of them, all together, and uh, it was a, this blizzard was blowing. It was miles below freezing. Any human being stood in, on their own, they would have quickly frozen to death, but what these penguins did, they all gathered closer together, and there was a front row of them, and the blast of the blizzard was coming straight at them, and they were, they were freezing over as they were doing that, but then after a little while, they stepped back, and the next little group went in front of them, etc., and, and then after a while, they stepped back, and the next group, and they were protecting one another. If one of those penguins had been stood out on its own out there, it would have been dead long ago. Nature even gives us those glimpses of what does it mean to to cover one another, to protect each other, to share with one another. We need one another. We need church. We need to be together. We need that shared life. And how do we cultivate then that that biblical community, which is about being family together? The third of our readings is is taken from uh, Proverbs, and this is Proverbs 22, and it, it touches on the whole area of of friendships and how we cultivate those friendships. 
You see, one of the wonders of, say, becoming a Christian is that it's not just about coming to church. It's about entering into a relationship with Jesus. Jesus becomes our friend, literally, that sense of friendship. And then he can cultivate among us a sense of friendship. Now, the Bible speaks quite strongly at times about the way we handle friendships. This is the Old Testament now in Proverbs 22. And it's got some strong language in it. I'll give you a little warning before we read it. So here we go. This is Proverbs 22. And the opening words are, do not make friends of hot-tempered people. There we are. That's a straight question. It's not even suggesting, you know. Do not make friends of hot-tempered people. People who are easily angered. Now, by that, I need to say, first of all, a bit of a disclaimer. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't befriend hot-tempered people. In fact, the scripture encourages constantly to be befriending the most awkward of people, the most needy of people inside that no one else wants to be friends with. But to befriend in the sense of being able to show kindness and care in helping people is very different to entering into committed relationships of friendship where there's a mutual impact and influence on our lives. There we do need to be careful where we enter into those committed friendships and relationships. It's true of the whole of life. Not just for you here as adults. Let me say to you, even though you've got a child just starting school this past term, one of the most important things in their life is the friends they make. You only need one good friend, and it makes all the difference to your world. But friends can have a big impact on our life. After our service this morning sharing, someone particularly came for prayer because their child at school, just a group of friends are having such an impact on that child. You see... Even as we grow older, the company we keep, the people we meet with, does shape us. There's something about human nature that's very easily shaped by that surrounding room. And if you make your friends so it is people who are hot-tempered, easily angered, before long you find that whenever you're together, there's always arguments, there's always, there's always kind of rows going on. Everybody's shouting, everybody's, before long you begin shouting, you'll get heard, and before long you're doing the same. It shapes it. I remember once seeing a, an interview, an interesting interview, it was with a, a television producer. And this was many years ago now, but it was a time when they were beginning on television to have some fairly kind of the threshold of shock. You know, they were beginning to show some real risky stuff on television. And uh, this pr television producer was being interviewed saying, you know, surely this is bad, bad television. Are you going to get trouble? And he said, well, what happens is this, he said. This is literally what he said. When we showed the first episode, it was a soap opera that was on every week. He said, when we showed the first episode, we had a huge mailbag. So many people complaining, so many people upset and annoyed. And what happened then, he said, well, over the weeks, the mailbag reduced and reduced and reduced. To now, we don't get any complaints. But we're still doing it. In fact, we've even pushed the threshold further. That threshold of shock in common life in society is easily shaped by acceptable norms. I went to one of our, our students who just graduated and started a new job, and she was in a new job, and um, we were talking about relationships and, uh, you know, just guarding your relationships, even the, the way in which, you know, we um, relate, even sexually, etc. She said, well, well, Rob, she said, in my office, she said, there's 11 of us, all of them uh, live with someone who's not their, their, their partner. I said, so does that make it okay? Well, she said, it's the norm. So the norm... Social accepted norm before long becomes our new threshold. It easily happens for all of us. How do we guard that? Now, the company we keep and the friendships we make do very much shape our lives, for good or for ill. 
Now, some people, when you've been with them, you feel exhausted afterwards and utterly drained and somehow almost dispirited. There are other people you're with, and when you've been with them, you feel energized. You feel refreshed. You feel as if... My Pam is one of those. To be with Pam is just a few minutes. Energized, refreshing in a sense in which, you know, it just brings something that life of Jesus, that love of Jesus, the presence of God. So how do we guard in our relationships? And it's so easy to find sometimes that we are shaped by a world around us. This is so powerfully expressed in Scripture. That's why that biblical basis for community is so clear. In Romans 12, it says these amazing words. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. The patterns of behavior around you, which you're all subject to, whether it's in work or just our neighborhood, or we're subject to those, but don't be conformed to it. Now, conforming is an external compression, like you, you, know, you, 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 you um, use a mold to press something and you shape it, you conform it. He said, don't be conformed by an outward expression, a pattern of this world, but be transformed by an inner renewing of the Holy Spirit, that daily inner renewing of the Spirit. All of us are being shaped every day of our lives. We're either shaped by the media, by the conversations, by the company we keep, or else we cultivate an inner shaping of our life and in a renewing of our life. And this, of course, is the work of the Holy Spirit. See, what the Holy Spirit does is, these, these are the things he produces in our life. Love, joy, peace, goodness, patience, long-suffering, self-control. These are qualities that the Holy Spirit produces in our life. They're not the qualities that society shapes in us. In fact, it's quite the opposite at times. So what is it shaping your life? The external pressure or the internal renewing? He says, don't be conformed the pattern of this world. Every day of us, every day of our lives, there's pressure to conform. But how do you stand against it? Do you just try and, you know, kind of a, a, an air aid shelter mentality? You just block up all the doors and windows, don't listen to anything you say? No, 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 no. He said, it's not about that. It's not about how you keep it out. It's what you nurture inside that's able to resist that. An inner renewing of the Holy Spirit that enables us to stand against all those outer pressures. My prayer today is that even as we share on this theme of cultivating that biblical community, that God will stir us a fresh appetite. What it means to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh. Really, this community is about the unity of the Spirit. This is where our oneness lies. When the same Holy Spirit is at work in each of us, there's an amazing sense in which there's a unity of Spirit. It's not my Spirit, it's not your Spirit, it's His Spirit. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's not my mind, I'm going to have my way. It's not your mind, it's not his mind. It's his mind in us, the mind of Christ. And how do we cultivate that today in the power of God's Spirit? That's my prayer for us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you now and thank you, Lord, for the joy of being born into the family of God not because of our own merit, not because of our own works, but purely the grace of God, the wonder of your love to us, that you so loved the world that you gave, your one and only Son. This Christmas, Lord, as we remember the baby in the manger, we thank you again. The Word has become flesh. Come among us to make yourself known, Lord, that we might be born again into the family of God. Lord, help us constantly to appreciate the wonder of what that means, to encourage one another daily, Lord, to stir each other us, to spur us on, Lord. Guard us, we pray, that even when hurts come or disappointments, we do not allow it to harden our hearts. For any of us here today, Lord, at the moment, 
who may be in that situation, we are feeling hurt, resentment, a sense of hardened, the things that once stirred us so quickly and once we enjoyed no longer seem to be quite so stirring for us. We've lost that first love. Come, Lord, by your Spirit. Even here today as we worship and minister, release. Spirit, come down. Break down those walls. Come, Holy Spirit, those barriers. And Lord, forgive us when we've tried to do it in our own strength, to go alone. Lord, even for some of us, perhaps we've already migrated to the edge of church. Even here today, we're just occasionally here and on the edge. Lord, draw us into the very heart of your purposes, to sense the pulse of the purpose of God in our lives. Lord, we thank you that you've called us not just to be your followers, but your friend. Lord, help us to cultivate those godly friendships in our lives for your glory, but to keep an open heart to a needy world where we're able to befriend and to help those around us. In Jesus' lovely and precious name. Amen, Lord. Amen.